Congratulations, Tim, on your first uh, hazing as prayer shepherd. This is, uh, look, this is the nature of technology. I, I remember in 1999, I was at a conference um, about, uh, you know, it was about the church and the new things that God was doing and so forth. And uh, this one speaker was talking about the importance of technology and utilizing technology well and, and all the different, uh, different ways you're supposed to use it properly and, and what you want to avoid and how you need to make sure all of your, uh, you know, you're, that you're fully prepared. And her PowerPoint, like, crashed. <laughs> One of the reasons it crashed was because it was way too complicated. Um, and uh, it, was, it was like lesson right there. Well, and the fact is, one of the reasons that people use PowerPoint, that people will, will uh, take advantage of technology in, increasingly in the course of preaching specifically, is that there is something a little strange, a little archaic about this thing we do every Sunday, isn't there? I mean, where else do people sit for a half an hour or so and listen to somebody talk at them. Maybe in school, right? Um, but other than that, what, a comedy club? You've got this, what's this Baltimore Speakers series? It's like a big deal. It's really unusual. It's groundbreaking that you're going to have a lecture series where you're going to go someplace and listen to somebody talk at you for an hour. Um, what? As Mary said, <laughs> some of us at home have the experience of sitting down and listening to somebody talk at us for a long time. But it is a little, it is a little unusual, this thing we do. Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, starting at verse 18, that the word of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, the wisdom of the wise I will destroy and I will frustrate the intelligence of the intelligent. Where is the wise man? Where is the scholar? Where is the philosopher of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of God, the world through its wisdom did not know him, God was pleased through the foolishness of preaching to save those who believe. Jews demand miraculous signs, Greeks look for wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified, stumbling block to Jews and foolishness to Gentiles, but to those whom God has called, both Jews and Gentiles. Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. For God's foolishness is wiser than man's wisdom, and God's weakness is stronger than man's strength. Paul's quoting here this passage from Isaiah, back in chapter 29, where Paul, or God is, through Isaiah, speaking to a rebellious people, to a people who have chosen to go their way, but they're not so openly in rebellion that they're rejecting God entirely. In some ways, it's almost worse 
they still see themselves as God's people. They're still doing all the things that God's people ought to do. But, in fact, as is in this passage and as was in the prayer, their hearts were far from Him. They were going through the motions. Isaiah says, Be stunned and amazed. Blind yourselves and be sightless. Be drunk, but not from wine. Stagger, but not from beer. Yahweh has brought over you a deep sleep. He sealed your eyes, that is the prophets, and covered your heads, that is the seers, all the people that you've counted on to make things clear to you, he has frustrated. And you know, Isaiah says, for you, this whole vision is nothing but words sealed in a scroll. So, if you take a scroll and you give it to somebody who can read, and you say to him, read this, he's going to say, I can't read that, it's sealed, like giving somebody a sealed envelope. Read this thing in the envelope. I can't, it's in the envelope. Or, if you really want to be a jerk, if you take it out of the envelope and then give it to somebody who can't read and say, read this, what's he going to say? I can't read that because I can't read. And now I feel even worse about it. See, the Lord says, these people come near to me with their mouth. They honor me with their lips. But their hearts are far from me. Their worship of me is made up only of rules taught by men. Therefore, once more, I will astound these people with wonder upon wonder. The wisdom of the wise will perish. The intelligence of the intelligent will vanish. Woe to those who go to great depths to hide their plans from Yahweh, who do their work in darkness and think, oh, who sees us? Who will know? You turn things upside down. It's as if the, the potter were thought to be like the clay. Shall what is formed say to him who formed it? Well, he didn't make me. Can the pot say of the potter, he knows nothing? In other words, people who owe God everything are crediting him with nothing. People who ought to be seeking wisdom from God, really seeking wisdom from God, and not just saying that they're doing that, are instead trying to find it on their own with predictable results. I'm reminded of what Jesus said in Matthew. About halfway through Matthew, starting chapter 13, Jesus starts teaching in parables, right? So Jesus goes out of the house, sits by the lake. Huge crowds are gathered around him. He had to get it into a boat and sit in it while all the people stood on the shore. And then he told them many things in parables. And the first one, of course, the seed, the parable of the sower, the farmer goes out to sow his seed. He's scattering the seeds. Some fell along the path. The birds came and ate it up. And some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because that soil was shallow, but when the sun came up, the plants were scorched. They withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants. Still, other seed fell on good soil, where it produced a crop, a hundred, sixty, or thirty times what was sown. He who has ears, let him hear. And that was it. 
the disciples are like, uh, what are you doing? Why, why, why are you talking in riddles to these people? This is not like an effective church growth strategy. You just basically have this huge crowd showed up and now they're just confused. Jesus replied, you know, the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of heaven has been given to you, but not to them. Whoever has will be given more and he'll have an abundance, but whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken from him. And this is why I speak to them in parables. Though seeing they do not see, though hearing they do not hear or understand. In them is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah. You will be ever hearing, but never understanding. Ever seeing, but never really perceiving. For this people's heart has become calloused. They hardly hear with their ears. They've closed their eyes, lest they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts, and turn, and I would heal them. But blessed are you, blessed are your eyes, because they see, your ears, because they hear. I tell you the truth, many prophets and righteous men longed to see what you see, but they didn't see it. They longed to hear what you hear, but didn't hear it. So what Paul's talking about here is what many prophets and righteous men longed to see, but never got to see. Christ, the wisdom and the power of God, Messiah, shown up at last. problem was it's not what a lot of folks were expecting. This is why the gospel is a scandal, Paul says to Jews. They were expecting the Messiah to come in on a white horse and kick the Romans out of Jerusalem, liberate God's people, clear out the corrupt leaders of the temple complex, establish a righteous, holy nation of priests holy people dedicated to God again. That's what Messiah was supposed to do, but this Jesus guy, he ended up saying a bunch of cryptic things that confused people more than half the time, including usually his disciples. And then he got hung up on a cross. Put to death by the Romans like so many other would-be revolutionaries. And, and then his disciples are now saying that he rose from the dead? Come on. Jews would say, it, that's not right. I mean, the, you know, we know there's going to be resurrection of the dead, everybody at the last day, but now? You say there's just this one guy? Come on. And Greeks, I mean, they, they look for something that's going to hold together, something that's going to resonate with the smart philosophers. Remember Paul in Acts 17? When he goes to Mars Hill, he goes to share the gospel with the, all the, the smarties in Athens. And you get the sense that they're all, you know, it's great, why don't you come back tomorrow and tell us some more about this? Can you believe this guy says this is resurrected Jesus? Come on. Now this, this gospel that we preach doesn't fit 
our expectations. It doesn't fit our demands. Jews demand miraculous signs. Instead, they get the scandal of a crucified Messiah. Greeks look for wisdom. Instead, they get something that inherently, Paul says, and he's very upfront about it, is apparent foolishness. When Paul says the foolishness of God is wiser than man's wisdom, it doesn't mean that God is so smart that even when God does something dumb, it's smarter than something a really smart person would do. This is figure of speech saying that the quote-unquote foolishness, this is one of many times in 1 Corinthians that you can feel free, don't make a habit of this kind of thing, but you can feel free to take your pencil and you know, mark little quotation marks in. The foolishness of God is wiser than man's wisdom. The weakness of God is stronger than man's strength. And what God is doing here is not what we expect, but it's what he's doing. The fact is, God is under no obligation to conform his holy gospel to our expectation. The fact that you don't like something God says is really not God's problem. I think about a conversation I had with a colleague about something else Paul said. He said, well, you know, I've had a problem with Paul for a long time. and I'm thinking, well, at least you've clearly identified who has the problem. The problem is not with Paul. The problem is not with Scripture. The problem is certainly not with God. The problem is us when stuff doesn't seem to add up, when it doesn't make sense. Which is the reason for preaching? Which is the reason why every week we come here We open up the Word of God and we hear what God has to say to us. And we try to do that in a way that is accountable not to our own expectations or our own preferences. It's not accountable to our own preconditions that we'd like to place on the Word. It's not accountable to our own demands of what God would do or wouldn't do, would say or wouldn't say. We're accountable to what God has revealed in His Holy Word. And in in all of it, which is why we bounce around, including into some less often explored corners of the Scripture. It's why we're always, when somebody quotes something, like when Paul here quotes from Isaiah, we go back to Isaiah and say, what was Isaiah saying there? Why does that fit? How does this all hold together? Because it does all hold together. And in some ways... The discipline that we pursue of coming here to listen patiently and attentively to the Word, to open our ears to what God is saying, to receive the teaching that He is giving us, even when stuff doesn't quite make sense, especially when stuff doesn't make sense. This is, this is what we do. When Joe or I or Ron or Darcy next week, another guest, when people get up here, we're not getting up here to give motivational talks. We're not getting up here to give you a few helpful tips to get through the week. We're not coming up here to make you feel better about yourselves. We're not coming here to denounce people that you already don't like. 
we're coming up here to open this word and to hear what God has to say to us in it and through it. And all kinds of people would tell you that that's a lousy way to try to convey information. It's not about conveying information. It's about being in the habit of waiting attentively upon the Spirit, of opening our ears, opening our minds, opening our hearts to what God has for us. This, this is foolishness to those who are perishing, no doubt. But to us who are saved, it is the power of God. Will you pray with me? Lord God, we pray that we would be a people who attend to your word, who sit patiently waiting to hear what your, your spirit has to say to us. We pray that when there are things we see that we don't like or that aren't what we expect, Pray that we would not sit in judgment on them. But rather that we would affirm that what seems like foolishness to us is actually wiser than the best thing we could think up. What we think isn't going to work, what we think is going to be ineffective, Lord, you tell us is actually your power. So give us humility, Lord. Give us the ability, give us the grace to hear your word from a posture of respect and gratitude rather than one of judgment. We ask this in Christ's name. Amen.